Now, it's time to get your morning started the right way. It's the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Oh, so good to have you with us in this third hour. It's the Morning Tailgate. Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, who's live at the Indianapolis NFL Combine, here with us for the next hour. And we got a lot to get into. Not only are we going to talk to Marcus Johnson from Tape Don't Lie, but we'll also hear some sounds from player interviews and player scrums that were taken live from the Combine. You don't want to miss that in this hour. And we also have a four-pack of tickets for the amazing National Rugby League, which will debut in America on Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. I have a four-pack of tickets for you to bring the fam here on Raider Nation Radio. Lindsey, Vinny, and Clay, and now Marcus Johnson is with us. Tape Don't Lie on YouTube. Uh, subscribe and follow. you got to be a part of this. It's amazing content delivered each and every day. Tons of stuff each week on the Raiders draft prospects, roster allocation, and free agency. Just because it's the offseason, tape don't lie, doesn't stop. That store is open all the time. Marcus, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great, thank We're you. We're doing great, Marcus. You take your job as seriously as much as any jet with uh, stirring the pot and the drama. We're seeing some things go down on, on the X Twitter machine right now. Uh, and, and we're going to get into it. But I want to talk to you about the Raiders who are cultivating a very young but dangerous cornerback room. You spent some time breaking down prospect Nate Wiggins last year. He had a couple of picks, uh, forced fumbles, I believe career highs in both of those. But what do you like about his fundamentals and what kind of fit he could be with the Raiders' defensive backs? I think he's, he's a great coverage cornerback. You know, he, he definitely has all the athletic skills for to be a coverage cornerback. Great transition, great with his hips, very athletic. You definitely see a lot of speed. He probably should run really fast at the combine, probably like the four 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 three areas where you see from him. So he has the athleticism. He also has a lot of length to him, too. You can see he has those long arms. He plays the ball well in the air. He has a lot of ball skills and a lot of things that you could like from him, Nate Wiggins, that he's going to be able to do day one. A lot of those corners that come from Clemson, they usually are, are pretty good players. I mean, you see like A.J. Terrell in, in Atlanta as, as an example. So some of those guys, they come from a, a defense that has a lot of uh, NFL concepts, a lot of blitzes, a, a very exotic looks that they do at Clemson. So, you know, Nate Wiggins, he's going to come in and, and be a really good coverage corner right away, I believe. He's going to be a fighter, and he, he definitely is aggressive in that area. It's just, you know, he, he does, he's not a guy who's going to play the run. So, you know, I know, I know that's something that the – you know, especially Patrick Graham covets that. That's like a big thing for Patrick Graham is having cornerbacks that can tackle. So that might be a little thing that maybe the Raiders don't like about him that much. He's just he's not a guy who likes to get in there and get physical. You know, there's times on film where he's getting pushed around a little bit when he has to come and come down and make some tackles. So uh, he's really just a coverage guy at this point, but he definitely could come and help you in the area day one. Marcus, um, if the Raiders stay at pick number 13, you mentioned uh, the, the potential need at cornerback. Uh, I think the interior of the defensive line is an area of need, and I think offensive line uh, is an area of need. If I had to list the top three needs, that would probably be it outside of quarterback, uh, of course. So if you are uh, sitting there at number 13 and it's not a quarterback, what direction uh, do you take? You know, it, it, there's a lot of directions you can go, and I think if you, I would think they would go offensive line or defensive line, just like you said. And there's a whole lot of areas you can go. I mean, there's, there's J.C. Latham if you want to go offensive line. We don't know how Olu Afashinu uh, is going to fall. We don't know if that's the type of guy that they want to take if he falls to them. You know, and then there's, there's uh, Fuaga from Oregon State, who's another guy that, that they want to take. But, you know, with defense tackle, 
at that position, as of right now, there's probably only one guy you could take, which is Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy would be that guy. And, you know, he, he is just legit on tape. He, I think he was a DB and a linebacker when he was recruited. So, you know, he has a lot of athleticism to him. You see him on tape. He's putting on a lot of weight. And, you know, these guys can still get bigger and get stronger, but he's almost unblockable on film. You watch him against uh, Washington in, the, in the, um, the college football playoffs. He was just going off and just, dominating that whole game, just taking over the film. And every film you watch somebody play Texas, he just takes over the film. So, you know, that, that's a, a guy at 13 that really is type of a plug-and-play plug type of player. We know we're going to get some production from out of him just because the motor he has and the athleticism he has in the middle. There's not going to be every single guard in the NFL that's going to be able to hang out with him. So uh, th- that would be the defense tackle side. There's just so many more options on the offensive line side for them to go if they wanted to go that route. But defensive tackle, I feel like Byron Murphy's that guy that you would take at 13. Marcus Johnson, Tape Don't Lie, here with us on the morning tailgate. Go expand a little more than on, on the offensive line because I was kind of led to believe because of position scarcity that maybe there would be a large drop-off for uh, defensive tackles and offensive linemen after the first round. So the offensive linemen is deep. I mean, it's really deep in this draft. I mean, you can go pretty uh, far down there to find a pre- probably a pretty good player, especially in the interior okay. in the third round. I, you know, I, I, One guy I really like is Cooper Beebe who kind of gets lost in a lot of these guards because he didn't go to the senior bowl. Not sure exactly why there was. Maybe it was an injury or something, but um, he has really good film out there. He had a really good game against Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy was not able to beat him that much. And there's not a lot of buzz right there. You don't see a lot of content. He's a Cooper BB in it right now. And that's the type of player you can get in the third and fourth round as a guard, and that's kind of the depth of the offensive line group. And the defense tackle group doesn't have as much depth. I mean, you might be able to get, like, a Newton in the second round. I know he has a lot of first-round buzz right now, but he's a little undersized guy. And those type of defensive tackles, they can fall a little bit because, you know, just because deep, defense tackle is not a premium position. It, it's growing as one in the NFL, but, like, still from that from a viewpoint of, Drafting, I think a lot of guys feel like they can get good defense tackles in the second round and, and some of those interior guys and, and, and develop them so they can become pass rushers. And, you know, Newton is the guy that might fall to uh, 44 if they take him in the, in the second round okay. and, and they're in that, in that position to take those type of players. That's the type of guy they can get. But, like, even from center, you know, there's Graham Barton, there's, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> Uh, uh, guy from I can't even think of his name from Georgia. He's a really good player too. The center from Georgia. There's there's so many other uh, types of offensive linemen you can get depth in here that you could just kind of collect them. And you know the Raiders can come out of this draft with like two guys that they really like. Yeah, and, and it is a top-heavy class, as, as you've talked about before. And earlier this week, we talked to Eric Eager from Sumer Sports about free agency proverbs and more specifically maximizing developmental arcs for certain positions. He has data saying that uh, signing a tight end after a few years of seasoning uh, is actually a better bet than drafting one. Now, the Raiders uh, went a different way on that, and we have full confidence in number 87. But when it comes to really making those decisions of the long-term future versus competing now for guys like Devontae Adams, Max Crosby and and that expectation to get some stuff done this year uh, does it make more sense to draft that big guy early use that capital in that way and then look to seek out help on the open market where prices may soar which one would you rather do would you want a shorter term answer or do you want that long-term investment as you're talking about just how many great options there are I mean if you're in women now mode I think free agency is very key I think you have to really attack free agency because even if you get some guys that maybe not be the 
biggest names in the world, if they fit your scheme and fit what you want to do on defense, they could make a huge difference. I, I mean, like Mike Hilton, when he went to the Bengals right. you know, a couple of years ago, that, that's somebody that you're not going to think is a big deal, right. but he helped him get to the Super Bowl. You know, he, he made some plays in the playoffs where he's knocking passes down, coming off the blitz. He's one of the best blitzers in the league, and he's one of the best covered slot corners. And, you know, he gave Hunter Renfro, you know, trouble, you know, when Hunter Renfro was making everybody look silly. So I think that's, those type of signings in free agency can make a big deal if you find the right scheme guy. Like Leonard Williams is somebody that's out there that played with Patrick Graham, had some of his best years with Patrick Graham. And I think that's somebody they could bring in and he can make a big difference inside right away. Well, then maybe you don't have to go to the draft, and then maybe you can wait and find some more developmental guys that are there. So I think those type of, if you want in win now mode, you definitely want to have a good free agency and fill those things. And I'm not saying you have to get superstars, but you just have to fill in those positions with the scheme fits. If, if you wanted the long term, it's when you go to the draft. But I still think if you're in win-now mode, you can still build for the future, which I think the good teams do, like that's what the Chiefs do. They're building for the future while they're in win-now mode. And I think you have to kind of have a mixture of both. And I think the Raiders are kind of in that area. And, you know, if they have a good free agency, you can fill those things that allows them to trade up and be aggressive to get a quarterback or whatever they want to do as well. Yeah, you're speaking my language when you're talking about big Lenny Williams, uh, the former USC star. I think he would fit uh, like a glove uh, with the Raiders' defensive line, even at this stage uh, of his career. Um, so we, we were able to talk to Tom Telesco yesterday uh, about the quarterbacks, and you know he's not quite there yet with the quarterbacks. Uh, doesn't need to be. It's only February 28th, so uh, there's there's a process uh, that that he and his staff uh, are going to go through. Uh, but when you look at Luke Getze and you look at this draft class, uh, who are the particular quarterbacks? Do you feel, from a skill set standpoint, skill set standpoint, uh, can fit in what Luke Getzey's trying to do? I think you know more of the consensus top four quarterbacks. I think all those guys can fit and do what uh, Luke Getzey likes to do. Because even Drake May, he even does some zone reads in North Carolina when you watch him on film, and you know Jaden Daniels, he definitely can do the QB run game. Not as much with Drake May, uh, but I mean, you still can have those elements where you can still have that deception of he can keep the ball and he can make some runs. So I think even he probably is the least fit, I would say, right now. But as a vertical passer, he's probably one of the best fits as well. But, you know, Jaden Daniels and, you know, J.J. McCarthy, to me, for what Luke Getty has done in his previous, you know, careers as uh, previous times in his career as a offensive coordinator when he's at Mississippi State, he's at Chicago. I think those guys are the two best fits. I mean, you could also say Caleb Williams as well, but from, from you know, the Raiders have to trade up to one probably at this point to get Caleb Williams. So if they trade up to three or wherever they trade up to, or if they trade up to seven to get J.J. McCarthy, I think him and Jaden Daniels are the best fits just because, you know, McCarthy, you can do the whole run game too with kind of the same way that you can do it with Daniels. Now, he's not as explosive as Daniels in the run game because Daniels is just very, very special in that area. But he can he can run that offense and run the same uh, type of plays and keep defenses, defenses honest because he can use his legs as well and he still makes teams play 11-on-11, which I think Luke Getty kind of wants to do. He likes to have that deception of playing 11-on-11 because it opens up the whole, whole run game, especially when you have an explosive quarterback back there. So I, I think Jaden Daniels, to me, and Jason McCarthy are probably the best fits for what uh, you know, Luke Getty likes to do. But you know, even Bo Nix, I think Bo Nix, too, if they want to go that route and later on – you know, maybe he, I don't know where Bowman X is going to go right now, um, but you know, maybe he might be there in the second round. That might uh, be a fit, too, as well, if they decide to go that route. 
Wait a minute. Give us the good and not so good about Bo Nix. And we're speaking with Marcus Johnson from Tape Don't Lie on YouTube because uh, the first prognostication was like, all right, well, he fixed the problems that he had in Auburn while he was at Oregon. Uh, Does that go a lot farther than that? And what were the problems and how did he fix them? What does it really show as projecting into the NFL? I think his problems at Auburn is that he was just reckless. I think he was kind of a wild man back there. At, at Auburn, so he would make some plays that you would that would you know raise your eyebrows, and then he would make some plays that would frustrate fans and throw the ball away and throw the ball in the traffic. And you didn't see that at Oregon. Okay. Oregon, he was a lot more conservative, and you know definitely uh, you know making the right decision. Didn't throw a lot of picks. Didn't throw the ball in the traffic. And you know you saw that a little bit. The Senior Bowl, kind of that conservativeness come in there a little bit. But mm. the thing was with Bo Nix is that when he gets out of the pocket there's still some times where he can do some of that wild man stuff where he can just throw, throw a ball across his body and make a lot of plays like that. But, you know, a, a lot of his kind of irks are just kind of like pocket presence, handling pressure. You know, he had probably, probably the, one of the best offensive lines in football, and he just had all the time in the world to do the, some of the things he wanted to do. And he still didn't really throw down field as much as you liked. But, you know, that could be a little bit of the college offense, too. I think, you know, when you evaluate these guys, sometimes you got to evaluate the offense a little bit, too. So maybe the offense didn't want him to push the ball down the field as much. And or allow him to be as aggressive as he wanted to be, okay. and or or be a little bit more of the wild man, and then maybe a coach can kind of bring that out of him a little bit, where he's getting out of the pocket and making some of those plays because he is he does pretty good when he gets out of the pocket, and he and he's pretty athletic. He has some good legs, but it's with Nick, it's more about handling the pressure and kind of figure out if that conservativeness is just going to be a thing in the NFL, or is that just part of the offense? Mark is an expert evaluator, but if you were tasked with being a performer this week, what on-field combine drill do you think you could perform best in? Uh, probably the 40-yard dash. Yeah? yeah? You think? You get knees up, get some speed? Is it a burst at the end, or are you just quick off the block? Because, uh, I, I, you know, that's, that's one of the things I used to do. I mean, I, I ran because I ran a four or five when I was in high school, so that's probably the best. Oh, what? Uh oh, is there <laughs> what? Is there video? <laughs> probably the best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four or five. Yeah, four or five. Send it. <laughs> Legit flash of speed. This is awesome. Oh my god, that's so impressive. Congrats. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, but even, even then, you think about it, like you know, because I was still, I'm still pretty sure I'm like five nine. So five nine corners that runs a four or five is just not gonna work out that well so, you know <laughs> 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 fast but it's like not nah, this is funny but yeah that'll be my best best one is uh the 40 for sure you can make some money on that one though you could fool mm-hmm. some people don't don't do the vertical sit out the vertical right but i'll just run the 40 that's it well that we'll see where it gets you exactly there you go <laughs> You know, there was a there was some thought there for free agency when you got when you talked about certain positions that the Raiders could go after, and even Tom Telesco kind of kind of brought up a, a thought like we may have to lean on free agency a little more this year. Um, what about the linebacker position? Because it just seems to be like the way the the stars have aligned, there are more guys that have like tantalizing names that are pending free agents at linebacker than ever before. From guys from like right Brian Cushing to even Patrick Queen, uh, does any of those guys kind of stand out as possible impact players to work with Spillane? And, and as well as and Diablo, yeah, I think you know Patrick Queen is probably the main one that you know fans are going to want to gravitate to. But he's a, he's a really good linebacker. He's probably one of the best linebackers in the league. And you know him and Roquan Smith made a tandem, and it's part of the reason why those Ravens defense is so good. No you know, two great linebackers like that is going to make a huge difference. So I, that that is a guy that um, you know that's going to be a target for for most Raiders fans because he's probably the biggest name. But he is a, he is a great player too. But I, you know a guy I really like that you know kind of be, can be a bargain type of player. Is I like his Blake. Cashman from uh, the Texans. I think that he he, he yes, has Cashman, a lot of right. athleticism. 
and he is kind of like you know getting better every single year and he's the type of young player that you could bet on that he could just kind of take it to the next level uh, when you pick him up. So that, that's one of the linebackers I really like. So, I mean, if they want to add some impact linebackers, even though I really think they like Spillane and Diablo in there, and, I, you know, if they bring some guys in, I don't know how much it will be like a full-on upgrade from them. Um, but it, I still think if they bring in somebody like Blake Cashman and those type of players, it, it could work out. But, you know, Patrick Queen, because, I mean, he's going to start over Diablo. I mean, that's going to gonna be a thing right away. It's going to be Spillane and Patrick Queen. And if that's how they feel about Diablo, then, then they, they should definitely go for that. But I still feel like they're a little bit higher on Diablo than, than that. So it'll be interesting to see what they do a lot better. What's going on this week for TDL, the tape don't lie, as you kind of progress through the NFL Combine? Well, uh, Matt's already at the Combine. I'll be there tomorrow. So, um, you know, we're doing some NFL Combine stuff for sure. And then I got uh, Drake Mavers, Georgia Tech, is up on the channel. So if you go, go check that out, check out that breakdown. And then, you know, when we come back, we'll, we'll you know, talk about what we saw at the Combine and, uh, you know, and you know, what the buzz and all that stuff that we're hearing. So, yeah, just just be on the lookout. Uh, you know, we're always going to be doing some, some cool stuff, you know, joining memberships because I got all those quarterback breakdowns on there. So go and check that out. Great stuff. Marcus, thank you again for your time. Let's do it again next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Tape Don't Lie on YouTube, an absolute fantastic resource for great insight on the Combine and NFL Draft and pending free agency for the Raiders. 4-5. And and a 4-5. That's coming from a 4-5 corner. My God. (laughs) I don't even know what mine would be. I've never timed it. I I was kicked out of track at that point because I was a liability for the people in the neighboring lanes because my legs would kick out. You're you're swiping people? Yep. They weeded me out in elementary school, and we're better for it. You know you know what's uh, put you know, uh, me to put this in perspective? The four five uh, forty as a cornerback is why he's cutting up tape and not probably out there being on tape because and it's it's crazy to say, but that's not fast for a cornerback. <laughs> you know, uh, you better be just so good in so many different areas to overcome that speed factor at cornerback. So everything is relative uh, in life. Although that's flying four point five is, is is flying for uh, a forty. Uh, but it's not where you want to be at the position that he played. Well, good thing Crazy. we weren't asking for it, that right? I mean, I'm just impressed of anybody that can no, go on with that. And honestly, of course, like, but... if any of his kids are runners, good luck. You know, and and I, I completely agree. But even in his, you could tell in his voice, yeah, the cornerback. You know, it's like ah, it just wasn't good enough. You know, at, at four or five, like we would, I would die to be able to run a four a four or five uh, forty. But you know, if, at, when you're playing that position, that's the differentiator sometimes. And uh, and and him being a film guy, he kind of even you could hear it in his voice. Yeah, well, you know. So. Normally, you'd be bragging big time about it. Of course. It's like, in comparison now, I mean, we saw last year how insane that was when the defensive linemen came out to run the 40. There was at least 20 to 30 of them that ran sub four fives, right? Like, that's that's now a defensive lineman, elite defensive lineman speed. Yeah, and I was was, uh, uh, talking to somebody uh, earlier today watching the defensive linemen and, uh, you know, the and, and, and the corner, the, excuse me, the linebackers uh, walking around here uh, today, and and it's just every year it just feels like they get bigger and leaner and more athletic looking. Um, I don't know if it's just what they're eating nowadays or the nutritional programs that they're on, but uh, there's there's like it's just svelte, you know. And even though they're, they're, they're they weigh a lot, 
it's good weight, obviously, and it's spread over their, their bodies correctly, and it allows them to maximize that speed that you're talking about when you're talking about interior defensive linemen. Look, Byron Murphy, what was he? He was a safety and a linebacker uh, in high school. That's what he was recruited as. Now he's playing over the center, uh, looks phenomenal, looks to be in, in great shape, but also has the kind of power and, and leverage and quickness that we were talking about. He's a fascinating uh, player and would be a fascinating player uh, on that defensive line, but it just shows you uh, how how athletic these guys you know really are to be able to make that kind of a transition from a linebacker to a nose nose tackle. It's just crazy how how it it, it just gets better and better and better every single year. It was insane. Even the linebacking position last year, there were five linebackers that ran under 4.5 seconds and six linebackers that ran between 4.5 and 4.6. So at a time when you normally see, you know, the big plotting types of, of linebackers, guys like Jack Campbell, who are amphibious, right, were able to do so much. And even Campbell was uh, like a 4.6 in the 40. It was still awesome. For a six foot five, probably, right? Yeah. He's a big dude. He is. Um, yeah, exactly. And he's motoring. Uh, so, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's head scratching how athletic these guys have become and, and, uh, you know, all credit to them for putting the, putting the work in. Uh, but he's, you know, we mentioned, uh, the linebacker position and, you know, whether it's through free agency or the draft, I, th- I would think that it would be more likely that the Raiders drafted somebody, uh, rather than go down to the free agency market. I think they're yeah. okay with Robert Spillane and Divine Diablo right now as their top two mm-hmm. linebackers. You know, uh, of course, you got Amari Bernie uh, in the mix, the uh, draft pick from Florida mm-hmm. uh, last year. Masterson did well. Masterson has, has played well. But you, you do have to think about uh, this is why I think it's probably more likely in the draft than free agency, although you can't rule anything out, is that when you look at the contract of Robert Spillane, done after next year, when you look at the contract mm-hmm. of Divine Diablo, uh, somebody that is going into the last year of his contract, so what does his future hold uh, if they don't lock him up you know, this, this offseason? So there's, there's a little bit of uncertainty when you look at it from a spreadsheet standpoint of how long these guys are actually under contract, which leads you to believe that maybe they're going to start thinking about drafting potential replacements rather than signing free agency, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, linebackers in free agency. By the way, real quick, on free agency, Tom Telesco made it pretty clear that the Raiders are going to be spending some money and being active in free agency. That doesn't mean that they're going to throw a whole bunch of money at one particular player. But as he pointed out, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, at the offensive line with three starters, Greg Van Ruten, um, you know, Jermaine Illuminar, uh, uh, Andre James, all three are free agents. Free agents to be. Uh, that's three starters out of your five starters that are that are potential free agents. So just by looking at the situation in terms of what's happening on the offensive line, who's not signed uh, as we sit here and speak for next year, uh, some of the defensive line, uh, is, you know, uh, the interior defensive line. You've got uh, Adam Butler is a free agent. Jake is a free agent. Bilal Nichols is a free agent. So they're not big, huge, sexy names necessarily, but they were guys that, you know, played pivotal and big roles collectively for the Raiders next year. And so they're not sure exactly at this point who's going to come back. So as a result, there's a possibility, whether it's signing their own guys or going out uh, onto the open market, they're going to be pretty active in free agency. And Tom Telesco, you know, talked about that. It's not necessarily his preference. He doesn't really like to go down that road route okay. a lot. Uh, but it, by, because of the situation this year, and a lot of that still has to, we're still paying off uh, some of the, um, you know, uh, or the Raiders are still paying off some of the bad drafting uh, that happened around here. Yes, they hit on some players, you know, over the over the years, uh, but there was also a 2020 class that kind of blew up in front of their face, and and you know, some some 
bad management in 2021 at the top of the draft, uh, they're still kind of paying off for those mistakes, and, it, and, it's, and it's reflected in some of the depth and some of where they are um, at the offensive line and, and the defensive line. So as a result, Tom Telesco is probably going to have to dip into the free agency waters a little bit more than he's normal than he normally likes to do, uh, but out of situations he's going to have to do. All right, great stuff. Vinny live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Lindsey Brown and Clay Baker, we are both here in Las Vegas. We'll step aside and come back. We have uh, player interviews from the scrums down at the NFL Combine. Getting to know you, we'll do that as well. And chances for you to win $2,024 and four tickets to see rugby at Allegiant Stadium. We'll tell you how next. Yeah, it's been really cool. And it was you know, it was nice having the, the Super Bowl in town, so I got a chance to spend a little bit more time with them. Um, what I thought was really, really neat with him was watching him go through the process of hiring the assistant coaches, because I've been through that process before, and sometimes it gets a little bit hectic. Sometimes um, you do some moves a little bit too quickly where you might hire a good coach, but maybe doesn't necessarily fit maybe the vision or philosophy you're looking for. And he really took his time. He talked to a lot of people, um, did a lot of research, took in a lot of opinions, and uh, you know, put a staff together and took his time doing it. I mean, really, we didn't fill the staff until probably last week. I think we probably filled it right there. Um, but to see him work through that process, I'm like, you know, you can say he's a first-time head coach, but man, he handled that like a pro to me. So I thought that was just a great sign to see. Raiders GM Tom Telesco talking about working with head coach Antonio Pierce during this very uh, you know, furtive time to get your roster assembled with coaches, roster assembled with players, and looking towards the future and how you get better here on the morning tailgate. Vinny is live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. But first, let's get to the money. That money jackpot opportunity for all of you Woo-hoo. as long as you text in the code to 702-365-9200 from the hours of 7 a.m. To 5 p.m. This is part of the jackpot contest we're doing Monday through Friday. You could win $2,024. If you text the code word to that number that I've already said to register, and we will pick the winner at a later date. We will not text you if you have won. That is for CW to take care of. Uh, and <laughs> right. today's code work, it code word, I should say, is Rebels, R-E-B-E-L-S. Yes, you have to include the S. Yes. 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 How many S's? Rebels. Until it gets obnoxious. Just one. Mm, Rebels. Probably like five. Depends on who you're talking to. If you're texting with the bestie, mm-hmm. you just use as many letters as you want. <laughs> They'll get you. Yeah. They get you already. Or you send like six voice memos in a row. You tell them all about your day. <laughs> Text it in. Rebels. 702-365-9200. Your chance at $2,024 today. One text per person. Thank you for being with us. Vinny live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. And we started talking about uh, hotel shenanigans, Vinny, when you like get together and you're away from the home and kind of getting away from, you know, the normal standards and, and rules and regulations that happen. And, uh, you know, like you said, first thing you do, you go to the thermostat, you set it to how you want it. But, you know, sometimes when you're together with a bunch of uh, other friends and next thing you know, you're like, all right, let's let's get into something goofy. And we were getting some thoughts in from the text line from don't be broke dot com seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred about what other people have done over the years when they get alone in a hotel room with other guys or other women and just their friends. And it all seems to like go right into like just something nasty. And it's like you, you feel like, you, you know, as soon as I brought up my uh, my ears with the toilet tricks and just trying to like, you know, especially if there's a bride and groom and you're all at like sequestered into one hotel, you start messing with the bride and groom's uh, bathroom. It just seems like something we used to do. It seemed like it was a rite of passage. Uh, we sell this from Eddie in the 303. He says, um, 
I have high school hotel shenanigans. My buddy would go into an airport bathroom stall and rub his hand all over a Rocky Road candy bar and stick it underneath the other stall and say, hey, buddy, you got any toilet paper? That was just one of our best minor shenanigans. And my mm-hmm. friend Chad also wanted to double down on that from Las Vegas, talking about um, leaving a deuce in the toilet tank. That way, every time you flushed it, it would oh, flush brown. in the tank. And I That's don't know. a different level of commitment there. Well, it's like you have to be tall in order to get that, achieve that done. Uh, I, I, you gotta have you know, good balance. You gotta have good balance. Chad is Center a tall gravity. guy. That's not for everybody. And also, people brought in the goldfish example as well. That's you know. I would prefer the goldfish. The goldfish. Seems I've, never, I've never heard of the the turd in the tank. Part. The turd in the tank. Never heard of that one. It's referred to as an upper decker. Oh. <laughs> but uh, but Vin, Vinny, what did you guys get in? Like, have you ever been in like a situation where you like you were sequestered at a hotel for a long time, and next thing you know, you guys are starting to do something crazy because it's raining outside and you're stuck inside the hotel and you have to let off uh you know you have to let off some steam. I mean, I must be boring because no. Well, you're a professional. You got, you know, you yeah, have expense reports I mean, and things the, can come back and haunt you later. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, nowadays, I guess the uh, the craziest thing I do is actually sleep. Um, there's a lot of sleeping uh, done in, in the hotel because when you're home, to be quite frank, there's not a lot of that going on. There's just too much going on at home uh, to really get much sleep. Like I'm talking about just afternoon sleep where you're just nobody's bothering you nobody's saying anything uh you could just <laughs> lay in your bed for three hours and sleep so uh that's the extent of my uh craziness and we never did the bathroom things i gotta say uh that wasn't uh my crew uh we did a lot of our uh we did stuff outside of the hotel uh, and outside of the, the, the oh, bathroom. like we can get into more oh, in the prank wars that. that's yeah, where yeah. it's like hotel there, there's cameras you know yeah. coaches parents are around so it's like you got to be extra sneaky and a little bit uh reckless to be like you know what let's do this right here right now but in terms of like the outside of the hotel what's the best most appropriate prank that you can share with us that you were part of um all right i got one i got a good one for you so uh we're with the lakers and uh it's the playoffs they're playing the dallas mavericks in um <laughs> 1988. All okay. right. So, uh, so there's a uh, reporter who's covering the Lakers by the name of Gordon Edis. Okay, uh, great guy, great reporter. And so we're all. It's me. It's Mitch Kupchak, the, the the then assistant general manager, Gary Vitti, the trainer, Josh Rosenfeld, the PR director, a couple of the other writers. Uh, we're just uh, out and about in the middle of the night uh, over in Dallas. Actually, we went over to. Um, to where President Kennedy got shot, uh, you know, uh, uh, Daily Plaza. So um, we're kind of walking around there, and who do we run into? But uh, Gordon, Gordon Edis from the from the LA Times. Oh wow! And he's upset because he had just bought this beautiful new sweater, right? And um, and a bird just completely he was walking and the bird you know dropped it right on dropped his shoulder. Dropped the Lee Harvey Oswald on ruined, him, right? Ruined okay. his, ruined his, ruined his uh, beautiful new sweater. Right. So we're like oh that sucks blah blah blah. He's like yeah I'm gonna have to buy a new. This is like you know 1230 at night. So <laughs> honest to goodness um, we don't even walk 50 more steps and what do we see uh, on the on the ground as we're walking around, it's it's a it's a dead bird. It's a small bird, but it's a dead bird. I don't know what happened. It flew into a car. Whatever. It's just laying on the sidewalk. So we're like, huh? 
what are we? What about bringing the? And so what we ended up doing was we 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 found some sort of a a, a bag that we could put the bird in. Right <laughs> back then, back then uh, the riders always stayed in the same hotel as the team, so we knew exa- and, we, and we had the room assignments for everybody, including Gordon. So this is this is probably now about three o'clock in the morning. All right, and mind you, there was a game the next day at one o'clock. The Dallas, the uh, Lakers were playing the Mavericks the next day at, at one o'clock. So it was going to be an early rise for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that didn't stop us from being out and about at 3 o'clock in the morning. Anyway, we go over to Gordon's room, all right? And we, <laughs> we write this note. Okay. You know, uh, you know, Gordon, we had your back. We went, we went out. We, you know, we, we did what we had to do uh, to the culprit that ruined your sweater. We wrote that note and put the bird right in front of his door. And Ooh. we knocked and knocked and knocked on the door. And, you know, it took a second or two, but he finally, <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? Uh, he gets up and then we skedaddle out of there. So he never knows who actually did it, right? So he opens the door. We're kind of, we could see it. He's like, what the, blah? you know, he's cussing because it's in the middle of the night. You know, he's been roused from his sleep and there's a dead bird sitting right outside his hotel room. <laughs> so he never has any clue. And the next day we're in the media room having, having breakfast before the game. And he's going on and on about this, how... Somebody just shows up in the middle of the night at my hotel room, drops this dead bird. I don't know who did it, what was going on, and we're over there just cracking up. And he never knew until years later we, we, we ended up telling him. So, yeah, that's, we, we did that. And nice. uh, that's, I'm, I'm talking about, we're talking about the assistant general manager of the Lakers, Mitch Kupchak, and the trainer and all of us, and we were all in on it. So, uh, and we we're just cracking up. So, I guess that's the craziest thing that we did. That's, Pretty gnarly. That's, that's almost pagan, picking up a dead bird. Almost pagan. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> there's some uh, dark rituals there, man. that's for sure. There was a seance planned after the fact that's as right. well. Those birds yeah, are the, swimming the with disease. Was, Mitch Kupchak was trying to talk us out of it. He's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. You know, There's probably a disease. And we're like, Mitch, <laughs> chill out, brother. It's going to be all right. So uh, I don't think we ever put flesh to birds. So we were able to kind of – we found some leaves or something like that to make a little makeshift – uh, coverage so that the hands didn't actually touch the dead bird. So uh, we all did, we did it as safely as we possibly could. Good man, I love stories like that. Were, were by the way, any- there was a rumor that not even a rumor, but Gordon was not alone. By the way, in that hotel room, I'm just saying that right now. So. Oh really? Oh yeah, yep. Good. I see. That's good. That's blackmail. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's like because uh, you guys would have a cast of characters following the Raiders around, like um, uh, Whitman Mayo, who played Grady in Sanford and Son. Yeah, uh, I have he, a good. Yeah. Yeah, he would show up in the locker room for no reason, right? Just after a win, just like, hey, party with Grady. Well, um, and and we're probably, I know Lindsay doesn't know who Grady is, but he was a nope. famous character on um, on uh, Sanford and Son. And so very, very popular show at that particular time. And so the actor, it was the, the San Antonio Spurs were playing the Lakers, and it's in the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers end up winning this series, but they lose, I want to say it was game two at home. It was an upset, you know, George Gervin and, and that whole crew. Uh, beat him at the forum, and so my job at the, at that particular time was to get quotes from the Lakers. Then I went over quickly to the other team's locker room to get quotes for from those players to give them to the writers that were on you know tight deadlines, kind of like the transcriptions. You see, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. So uh, we see the actor for Grady in the Laker locker room, and it's a very quiet locker room. They just they just lost, right? So. Uh, so he's all, oh, it's going to be all right, you know, uh, we'll get him next time, you know. And, uh, and everyone's like, oh, thanks, Grady. You know, they, everyone's calling him Grady, <laughs> Grady, by the way. That's not his sure. name, but he's Grady. So, um, so that, was what his, that's what, that was his demeanor in, in the Laker locker room. Five minutes, six, seven minutes later, I'm in the Spurs locker room, and here comes, here comes Grady. Grady walks in the locker room, and it's a celebratory locker room. They just won the game, game too. Everyone's, you know, uh, high-fiving and all that. And Grady comes into the locker room. 
st- stands in the middle of the locker room and says, kick ass and take names. And everyone looks over <laughs> there, it's Grady. So all the players were like, oh, my gosh. You know, so they went over to him and made him do his little good goobly-goo, which is what uh, was his saying uh, on, on, on Sanford and Son. But it was like, I'm like looking at him going, oh, yeah, okay. Just five minutes later, you were like, it was like a funeral over in the Laker locker room, and you were acting accordingly. Now you're celebrating with the Spurs. So uh, just, just 50 feet down the hallway, and uh, his, his mood completely changed. But it was, it was uh, to see George Gervin and Mike Mitchell and Artis Gilmore, uh, those, those, that great Spurs team, react to seeing Grady, who was a big TV star at the time, in their locker room was was precious. It was really cool. That's making the most of your credential. Good job, Whitman mm-hmm. Mayo. All right, Vinny live in Indianapolis. Lindsay and I back here. We'll come back with a conversation, a scrum with a defensive end from UCLA, Leatu Latu. Very interesting candidate uh, as a impact defensive end in this draft. Interesting things he had to say. All that and more. It's on the way on Raider Nation Radio. Call. Pressured immediately, and he goes down. Latu, there was the speed. I mean, that's the line. Know that the Shanty Clears are in a pass must mode right now. You see Latu, right? He's confident. Thanks to the Pac-12 Networks with that, and uh, the UCLA highlights were abound with tons of information and highlights for Leatu Latu, the defensive end that truly made an impact last year for the Bruins and helped the Bruins become one of the tighter defensive teams in all of college football. He spoke at the Combine talking about where he's at right now, and he could be one of those impact players you might see on a roster very soon and possibly maybe 13 for the Raiders. Listen in. What do you want uh, people to know about your personality by the time this week is over? Yeah, really, I'm just, you know, personable and um, really open to to anybody. And, you know, know, I can, you know, relate to a lot of people as well. What teams have you met with formally? I mean, I met with, I know it was the Ravens, um, the Dolphins. Um, I keep forgetting, but I I met with about 11 so far. Have you met with the Falcons as well? I have met with the Falcons. That was my first meeting. How did that conversation go? I mean, it went great. We just watched my film a little bit, you know, critiqued some things I could fix, and then went over some of my good plays, just walking them through techniques and stuff like that. Did you have any crossover with Coach Morris while y'all were both in L.A.? How did you have met him before? I don't I don't remember, but being in L.A., um, I, can't, I can't forget. Yeah, I, I mean, I forget if I... Who, who I run into over there, yeah. Have you met with the Buccaneers yet? I have met with the Bucks, yeah. How do you think that game went? I think it went great, too, especially uh, my boy Joe Charon over there. Um, I'd love to play alongside him. It went great. I mean, I appreciate that conversation with all the teams. I mean, they talk about my pastors' capabilities that bring me in. You know, that's that's the biggest thing that they, you know, they, they need, and they talk about the, uh, my versatility as a dropper as well, dropping the coverage and uh, playing the run as well with the TFLs I had. Yeah. Did you meet with the Eagles? I haven't met with the Eagles yet, no. Well, really, it was just um, you know being told you never can play football again. I never let it get the best of me. I mean, I continuously worked out, continuously got stronger, continuously worked you know my past stretch moves and stuff like that, and really just locked in. Never gave up on my dreams. I had dreams of being in this moment, being in the NFL since a kid, and I never gave up on that. And you know, God was with me through it all, and you know, He really blessed me to be here in this in this moment. It was my mom. I mean, she was texting me, you know, motivational quotes, sending me songs, stuff like that. And Coach Malloy, um, like a father figure to me, he was there for me through it all and, you know, understood what I wanted to do and that I was working my way back to playing football again. What do you think is your uh, best attribute when you 
getting after the quarterback? I mean, it's my bend, it's my bending ability uh, at the top of the rush, being able to gander those uh, tackles and making it hard for them to counter back and uh, lock me at the top of the rush. Have, what, have teams expressed any concern about your neck? I mean, no teams have talked about any, any kind of concern. Really just talking about my pass rush and going through certain clips and stuff like that. Never never was a concern for them. Do you, need, do you need to do extra medical exams or anything, do you know? No, sir. I mean, being out here, I mean, I haven't been I've been doing too many medicals out here, just, just like everyone else. Yeah, okay. All right, that is Leatu Latu from UCLA, and a lot of great stuff coming in throughout this week from a lot of the draft prospects. You'll hear it all on Raider Nation Radio as we get you ready for the NFL draft as Vinny and both he and Q are live at the Combine in Indianapolis. Great player sound as well as from other coaches. We're expected to hear from Antonio Pierce this week, so stay tuned to Raider Nation Radio all week long here on r 920. For Lindsey Brown and for Clay Baker, I'm Vinny Bonsignor. Did you get that? Make sure you text in Rebels to 702-365-9200. Have a great day, everybody. Eisen's next. (laughs)